What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is episode two of The Conscious Love Show. Uh, I'm very excited to be back here with all of you. We are streaming live on Instagram. So thank you, um, those of you joining me live for today's session. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about guilt and shame today and how that weaves into our relational experiences and how it shapes how we show up in relationships. Um, A little bit later, we'll have an opportunity to take questions. So uh, those of you who are live with me today, you'll have the opportunity to send in some questions and we'll, we'll get into some questions later. But what I, want to, what I want to start with today is I want to start with, as I said, this idea of guilt and shame and how it shapes and weaves itself into our relational experiences and it shapes how we show up to relationships and how we frame relationships within our own mind, how we what we think we deserve in relationships or don't deserve or what we'll be willing to risk or not risk. And all of this is really tied to our experiences of shame and guilt and how, how our egos form around shame and guilt. So what I want to, what I want to start by saying today is that shame is the thing that we are all running from. It's the thing that we are all running from and all of our problems really and you know it almost sounds crazy to say this when you look at the gravity of the problems that human beings are dealing with and how much suffering there is and and how intense it all is it it seems like really crazy to think that all of our problems really stem from us running from our own shame and yet i have found that time and time again to be the truth with every single human being I've worked with every single human being I've coached, every single uh, myself, uh, people I've been in relationship with. It it is just it seems to be the the condition of where we are as as people right now, is that we all have a lot of shame, and we all are going to insane lengths to try to escape from that shame and to try to run from that shame. Let's talk about for a moment where it comes from. And there are different theories about this. There are diff- you know, different psychological philosophies of how shame develops and where it comes from. But what is pretty much universal for all of us is that it starts very early in life. What is also pretty universally true is that if you had a pretty secure and healthy childhood, you will have a lot less shame than if you had a, a very intense abusive or violent or neglectful or something like that kind of childhood. So shame is definitely related to early childhood experiences, but even people who have 
a quote good childhood still have a lot of shame and even people who you know had everything or you know all the opportunity in the world still often have a lot of shame so we can't necessarily say that it's just directly tied to abuse or just directly tied to um anything you know specific like that that definitely plays a part so what is it tied to or or, or how does it form you know, at, at the core, like where does it come from even for somebody who had an amazing childhood, somebody who had loving parents, somebody who had a safe, secure environment to grow up in? Some people theorize that it comes from the moment of separation from the mother, right? So when we're born, the moment we go from this safe, secure womb to this cold, chaotic, noisy environment with you know, cold tables and machinery and things like that. And, and all of a sudden there's this intense shock, this intense fear that gets activated in us. And it, you know, it, it triggers something very deep in us. And you know, some people say that's where shame starts. Some people say it's, it's in the moment that you know, we're left to cry it out in our crib and nobody's coming to our rescue, like even if our parents loved us. But, but the moment we're like forced to fend for ourselves and we no longer have that loving, you, you, there's no longer somebody attending to every single one of our needs in the moment we have them. And so, you know, psychologically, shame could develop from that. It could develop from the feeling that, like, I have these needs that nobody's attending to. And so I'm not, I'm not, I don't matter, right? And it, it's important also to say about shame is that it, it's, a, it's a nonsensical experience. Like, like it's a, it's an irrational experience. So, you know, when we try to, when we try to talk about it, there almost aren't words to, to describe it or words that really describe the experience of shame. It, it's such, it's such a deep experience. Like the way I, the way I break it down, we, we cover shame in the inspired love program. We, we do a module on shame. The way I talk about it in the inspired love program is that shame is something that is like, it, it's, it's something that we experience at such an early time in life. And it's something that we experience at, at a time in our lives when we have really no frame of reference for the world we're living in, where we have no larger understanding of how things are or how things work where we don't have the rational capacity or the rational ability to, to make sense of what's happening to us. And so, you know, as an adult, we can look at the situation and say, well, you know, we had to let the child cry it out in the crib because that's the only way they learn to self-soothe. And if they don't learn to self-soothe, they, they learn to depend on people for everything and they never develop any kind of internal strength, right? So as rational adults, we can look at that and we can give a rational explanation for why that was necessary. But for the child who is experiencing this intense need being left alone in their crib and they're crying out, somebody please come help me. Somebody please come love me. Somebody please come hold me. Somebody please come keep me warm. And nobody's coming. And there's no way that that child can rationally understand why nobody would come, why nobody would be there, 
right? In, in their entire life, everything they've experienced in the womb, they were kept safe and warm. You know, when they were taken out of the womb, they were held and, and all of a sudden they're left alone. And like, they have no rational, they have no frame of reference to understand why that is. And so what the mind does is it turns in on itself and it starts to attack itself. And it starts to say, I must not be enough. I must not be enough. I must. And the way I break it down in the inspired love program is that the, uh, that the, the, the feeling of shame, like, again, there's not really words to describe it, but the feeling of shame is like, I don't deserve to exist. It's like, you know, it's, it's almost beyond like, I don't deserve this or that, or I'm not worthy or, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond how we normally think of those terms. It's like, I don't even deserve to exist. Why am I even here? And, and, and so this is, this is an impression that starts to develop very early in life. As we grow up and, and we are forced kind of into society, we're forced to go to school, we're forced to make friends, we're forced to you know, integrate and be a part of this insane thing. And, you know, we're not always introduced in a gentle way. You know, like I remember being dropped off at daycare at like three years old and there's like a hundred kids in this yard. And like, to me, it felt like a war zone. <laughs> it was like, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm just like kind of put in this yard with these kids and they're running around like crazy. And it, like, you know, sometimes it was violent. Like I remember having to fight sometimes in that daycare yard and I'm like three years old, you know, and, and like the kids were not always nice. And so we're kind of thrust into what's sometimes an unsafe or hostile environment. And, you know, we're not always thrust into that with a feeling of being very secure and very empowered and like, I've got this. But a lot of us already just in the first couple of years of our life are dealing with a lot of shame. And then at three years old, we're thrust into the yard at the daycare and told to make friends and get along with these kids. And, and a lot of these kids aren't really open to making friends in, in the way we might want them to be. And, and so the, the experience of shame starts to strengthen and starts to deepen. And, you know, it happens in school. It, happen, it happens in all these different ways, right? It happens in all these different ways. And then what starts to develop is guilt. And guilt is, guilt is the emotional experience of, I don't deserve to exist. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not meant to be here, but I'm here anyway. And somebody's going to find out. And when they do, I'm going to be punished. I'm going to be in big trouble, right? So guilt is, guilt is kind of this paradoxical experience of living with shame and feeling like I don't deserve to be here. And yet I'm here anyway. And, and I feel at some point this is going to come crashing down and people are going to find out and it's going to be really bad news for me when they do. And this is, this is guilt. This is the emotional experience of guilt. And so guilt is kind of like a layer on top of shame, right? It's like, and it's, it's like this, and so we're in this weird paradoxical place of I don't deserve to be here and yet I'm here. And then what happens is 
the ego develops out of this paradox. And those of you who follow me or have been with me for a while listening to these discussions, um, you, you know I often talk about the ego and the ego plays a huge role in all our relationships. The ego, the ego will control our relationships if we allow it to. If we don't allow it to, then it, it won't necessarily control them, but it still plays a major role in all our relational dynamics because the ego is basically how we learned to relate in early life. You know, when I'm three years old and I'm thrown into the yard at the daycare and I've got to make friends, like I, I'm not doing that through my most authentic, pure self. I'm doing it through this kind of shameful, guilty, fearful child self that is not really comfortable with the experience and feeling like I need to protect myself here. And so this is like the beginning of the ego and how the ego develops. And then as we go out in the schoolyard or whatever to try to make friends, we're doing it through this defensive, protective mechanism called the ego. And the ego is basically like a layer that goes on top of the guilt. So we have the shame, the feeling that I don't deserve to be here, that I don't deserve to exist. Guilt, the paradox that yet I do exist and, and my fear that somebody's going to find out and I'm going to be in trouble when they do. And then... And then on top of that, the ego develops. And the ego is kind of like the, the protective mechanism that says, don't worry, nobody's ever going to find out. The ego is that, is that protective thing we create that says, I'm going to play this game so good and I'm going to wear my mask so well and I'm going to be so in control of everything that nobody's ever going to find out that I'm not supposed to be here. And this is where all of our attachment stuff, abandonment stuff, um, what else? Like all of our like relational dynamic stuff and all of our relational fears and all of our manipulation and our control and, you know, trying to avoid getting hurt and, you know, don't text to, you know, don't text until three days later because you don't want them to think you're too into them. These are all dynamics of the ego, right? I, I said earlier that the ego kind of wants to control all of our relationships. And, and this is how it does it through this defensive, manipulative, protective control structure. This is what we're all dealing with, right? This is the human condition, okay? At, at the core, there's, there's this feeling of shame. That's covered up by this fear that like somebody's going to find out who I really am and when they do, I'm going to be in trouble. And, and, then, and then that's masked by the ego, which is the, the way of acting out and trying to cover up all of this. And the ego becomes a very complex structure with all kinds of variations and all kinds of intricacies and, and, and all, it's, it's so complex. And, and the thing about the ego is there's no winning with it. There's no pleasing the ego because as soon as the ego gets something that it wants, it finds something else that's wrong and, and then it attaches to that. And, and so there's no pleasing the ego because the ego is essentially fueled by our shame. The ego is essentially like given life through the feeling of shame. Shame is the, shame is the fuel that powers the machine that is the ego. The ego's never going to be satisfied because it's always, it's always looking for what is not enough because it always feels that what is inside is not enough.
And so you could go out, you could say, this is what the ego does. The ego says, oh, here's this really beautiful, sexy, smart, attractive person. Wow, they're my dream person. They're the kind of person that I've always wanted to be with. If I could have a person like this, that would be everything. That would be it for me. I would be, that would, I would finally feel like everything is great in my life. And, and so the ego identifies that person and then you go, that's the person. And then in most cases, we can't get that person. Because when we approach a relationship from that place, it's almost inevitable that that person is not going to want us. If I get this person, I will finally be enough. If this person loves me, I will finally be enough. If this person wants me, I will finally be enough. When we approach a relationship from that place, it is almost impossible for that person to ever want to be with us because we have already vibrationally placed ourselves so far below that person what I was saying, what the ego will do is the ego will identify that person and the ego will try to get you to get that person. And most of the times it's leading you in a desperate, futile attempt to, to go nowhere. But even in the rare chance that maybe you do get that person, maybe that person does want you. Maybe that person says, wow, I, I, you know, whatever, maybe they like you, right? Even if you do get that person, the ego is inherently going to be dissatisfied with that relationship. And so there is no winning because the ego is so complex. And what the ego does is it takes the simple and it complicates it. It takes what is like love is very clear and very easy and very simple. And the ego complicates it. The ego makes it complex. The ego makes it impossible. The ego will take it, many of you have probably experienced this before, where you're with somebody and you know in your heart that there is genuine connection between you. There are genuine feelings between you. There is something real happening here. And, and then it, it starts out really great. It starts out really good and, and you both feel amazing. You both feel like, Oh my God, this is the, like the most amazing thing. And maybe we finally found it. Maybe this is what we've been looking for. And it starts out really, really great. And then, and it's easy. You give and you receive love easily. And it's just, it's so natural. And it comes so freely. And there's no walls. There's no barriers. There's nothing you're holding back. You just want to give it. They want to receive it. They want to give it. You want to receive it. And it's just so easy. And love is just simple and clear and easy. And then the more you get into the relationship, the further you get into the relationship, the more difficult it becomes. The more the ego starts to say, I don't like this. I don't like that. Am I going to get what I want? Am I not going to get what I want? Are we on the same page? Is this going where I want it to go? What do I need to do to get it where I want it to go? And, and all this stuff, this is all the stuff, right? And so the ego starts to take what was simple and what was clear and what was easy, and it was just giving and receiving of love, and the ego starts to complicate it with fear. The fear that I'm gonna lose what I have or the fear that I'm not gonna get what I want. And, and all the different complex ways that the ego can weave that fear into all the different storylines of our life. And then, and then what starts to happen, and, and some of you who maybe have had a relationship where you know at one point you had something that was really beautiful and really good and really pure, and then it all came crashing down and you go, what the hell happened? Like, how did we get here? How did this happen to us? Well, what happens is the ego complicates that relationship 
It makes it impossible to communicate with each other. It makes it impossible to understand each other. And even though you're trying to love each other, even though you're trying to love each other, the ego will complicate the relational dynamics between you to such a degree that you cannot find that common place to meet in the middle. You cannot find that common place where you both feel seen and heard and like you're on the same page and like you're with each other and you have each other's back and you're supporting each other. So even though you're trying to love each other, the ego is complicating it to such a degree that the love can just not be experienced there. And, and then what, what ends up happening is, is when we, we become so frustrated at our inability or our partner's inability to navigate these complex dynamics and we just give up on the relationship. Um, or sometimes we blame everything on the other person. It was all their fault. Sometimes we blame everything on ourselves. Uh, but it's really not, you know, either person's fault. It's this is what the ego does. This is how the ego operates. The ego, the ego is, is very defensive against love because it is very threatened by love. And so it can experience love in small doses, but when it gets too intimate, when it gets too close, it needs to complicate the situation and, and find a way out. And so going back to the, to the topic of shame, our work in, in life, really, and you know, especially if you want a healthy, loving, committed partnership, which I think you do because you're here having this conversation with me right now, right? So I think you do want a healthy, loving, committed partnership. And if you do want a healthy, loving, committed partnership, then especially your work in relationships. And, and, and I want to say this about the ego. There is nowhere for the ego to hide in an intimate relationship. In every other area of your life, in your family relationships, in your business relationships, in your career and all, like your ego can almost find a place to hide in all those situations and, and find a mask to wear that looks really, really good and everybody buys into it. And, you know, in, in the world, we usually have this, this relational dynamic where it's like, you buy my bullshit and I'll buy your bullshit and we'll just smile in each other's faces and act like everything's cool. And this is how most relationships are made up in the world. This is, you know, and, and those are relationships in which the ego feels safe in. But in an intimate partnership with another person where you're sharing a life together and you're really getting in there to all those places that the ego doesn't like people to see, there is nowhere to hide. And so if you don't, because remember, the ego is ultimately trying to protect your shame. And, and this is how it all ties together. The ego is ultimately trying to protect your shame. And in an intimate relationship, you cannot avoid it. All the things that you're ashamed about are going to come up. They're going to come out. They're going to be revealed. All of the things that you hide and you try not to let anybody see and you try to put on your mask and act like it's cool and act like you've got it all together and act like nobody sees you and, and all of that when you get very intimately involved with someone, that just doesn't work anymore. And so what starts to happen is the ego is going to try to find a way out and it's going to complicate the relationship and it's going to make it impossible to connect. And, and our work is to get comfortable enough with ourselves and the things that we're ashamed of to be able to let somebody into that 
to be able to not have to keep that mask up. And, and so in that way, we can kind of bypass the ego. We can, we can supersede the ego in that sense, whereas the ego is trying to protect my shame. But if I don't need to protect my shame, then I can bypass the ego and I can connect authentically. And so what you've got to look at, and, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up with this and then I'll take some questions. What you've got to look at is what are the things in my life? What are, maybe that's not the best way to put it, the things in my life or the parts of myself or the patterns that I have or the stories from my past or the things that I've done or, uh, and it, again, the shame can take a lot of different forms, but what am I hiding? What am I running from? What am I withholding? What am I ashamed to let people see? What do I not want people to see about me? What do I not want people to know about me? What are the things that I won't let myself do or the places I won't let myself go even when I'm alone and nobody's even watching? That's a good one. Because I'm, I'm too ashamed to even, like, like some of us won't just let ourselves cry and hold ourselves even when we're alone and nobody's watching because we have some kind of identity that that's weak or that's pathetic or that's this or that or whatever. And, and so we won't even let ourselves express our emotions authentically even when nobody's watching and that's how thick our shame is. Like, I want you to think about that. Like, like I know you're hurting. I, I know you are. Why? Because I am. Because we all are. Like, how, how can you not hurt when you live in this world? How can you know that there is a war happening in the Ukraine right now and people are being driven out of their homes and being forced to be refugees in other countries and being forced to, like, these are people who had successful businesses, who had lives, who like just like you and I, just like everything was great. I mean, some of you might be watching right now from the Ukraine or from that area. And if you are, like so much love to you, you know? And like, how, how can you live in this world and not hurt, right? So I know you're hurting. The question is, are you allowing yourself to, to see that and feel that and be real about it? Or do you have too much shame for that? And that's a question for every single one of us to ask ourselves. Are, are you too ashamed to even be authentic about what's real for you? This is, this is what we've got to start to own up to. And we've got, to, we've got to stop being afraid of who we are. Stop being afraid to let people see who we are. Stop being afraid to have who we are experienced in relationship with others. And, you know, a, a lot of you... A lot of you right now, well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that out. I'm going to leave that out. I'm not even going to go there. What I'm going to say is this. Start to, start to ask yourself those questions. Start to look at what you're not willing to be, where you're not willing to go, what you're not willing to have, what you're not willing to own, what you're not willing to reveal. 
and, and then you'll start to find out where your shame is being held. Okay, so with that, I want to open it up for some questions. Tita's asking, how can you train the ego? How can you train the ego? So let's start with that, Tita. How can you train the ego? Um, training the ego. Now, that, that's an interesting term. I, I don't know if I would put it like that. What we, what we want to do is undo the ego. Undo the ego. Like, I've always imagined the ego like this. If you imagine a string, let me see, what do I have here? Maybe I could do this on video. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening to the podcast, um, you'll just have to imagine what I'm doing. Okay, so if you have a string here, I've always imagined the ego like this. Okay, like this is, imagine this string is your consciousness perfectly whole and integrated and unbroken right this is your consciousness in its natural state and now the ego is like if we take this and we twist it okay so then if you if i need three hands for this but i think you can get the idea right so if we take this and we twist it like that's the ego it's like this is my unbroken consciousness but then something happens the thing that happens is fear the thing that happens is shame, which is, I guess, I guess shame could be said to be a form of fear, or maybe fear comes from shame. I don't, these things are all related, but, but, um, you know, what happens is fear. And then once the fear is introduced into our consciousness, our consciousness goes through like a twist, a distortion. It changes. It's no longer in its natural state anymore. And now we start relating to life through fear rather than relating to life through love, which is our natural state. So to undo the ego would be to release the shame that the ego is protecting. And in releasing the shame, the ego no longer needs to maintain its defenses in the same way, right? So that's really how you do it. Like, I mean, you don't really train the ego. To, to train the ego, like I imagine that like trying to control the ego or trying to force the ego. And the moment you go into trying to control or force something, you are already in the ego, right? So you would, to try to train it, and maybe maybe you are saying to undo it, so if that is what you're saying, then okay, then we're talking about the same thing here. But if you're, if you're thinking about it, like you need to try to exert some force on it, or some kind of control on it, you've got to recognize that that is your ego that wants to do that. That is your ego that wants to exert that force and that control over it. And that's coming from a sense of not being safe. That's coming from fear, right? Like I fear my own ego from within my ego. And now I'm going to try to control my ego. That just gets me wound deeper into the ego, right? Remember what I said earlier. The ego is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly complex. It also, I didn't say this, but I'll say it now. It makes no sense. It is not logical. The ego does not make rational sense. The ego does not fulfill logical conclusions. Okay, so yes, the ego will be afraid of itself and attack itself and work against itself and try to control itself and all of that because the ego is not sensible. It's not rational. It's, it's actually crazy. It is a crazy, fearful system that is trying to overcompensate for a, a sense of shame that, and I'll say this too, like the shame that the ego is trying to protect 
doesn't even really exist. And now here's another probably mindfuck for everyone, right? The shame is something that we imagine. Like there's, there's really nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing you did in your past changes who you are. Nothing you, you know, no mistakes you've made, no regrets you have, no sexual things or any, like, you know, nothing that you've ever done or any of that changes who you are. It's all a story that you've told yourself. It's all a story that you've told yourself, I'm not enough because of this and this and this. And I got to hide this and I can't let people see this. And this is shameful and that's shameful. And I got to withhold and protect and all like none of that is actually real or true. That's just a story that we've told ourselves. And so the ego is an insane thought system trying to protect your, trying to protect you from something that doesn't exist. And the way to, the way to undo it is to stop fueling it by going back and looking at the shame and actually letting it go. Like there is nothing to be ashamed of. It's okay to be me. It's okay to be authentically me. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, someone's asking how we can go back and watch this. So this is all of the live sessions are posted to my replay. Um, so, you know, on my profile, all the live sessions are available there. Also, this is now being recorded as the conscious love show podcast that is going to be available on all major podcast platforms. So you will be able to go to Spotify, Apple, um, Google, all the major podcast platforms Look for The Conscious Love Show by Shane Kohler. Um, you may need to look for my name because it's a new show, so it doesn't have a lot of notoriety yet. Um, but you'll be able to go and you will be able to find all the episodes there and you'll be able to listen to them. Okay, so podcast uh, on all major platforms, The Conscious Love Show. Everybody, you know, sear that into your brain so you don't forget and then subscribe and follow and leave reviews and comments. And, and actually, I'm just, while we're talking about this, I'm just going to make a formal request here. If you follow me and you enjoy my work and you get value from it, then I'm going to ask you for a personal favor right now. Please go find my podcast. It's called The Conscious Love Show. It will soon be available on all major platforms. Go find it and give me a five-star review. If you don't think it deserves five stars, then leave whatever review you think it deserves. But go and leave an authentic review and just uh, do me that favor, please, because I will really appreciate that. That's going to help boost the show. It's going to help get it out to more people. Um, so yeah, that's my request to those of you who follow me and enjoy my work and get value from it. Please go find my show and leave a review and I will love you for it. And I already do, but I'll love you even more. <laughs> and okay, are narcissists proud and stubborn? What do I want to say about narcissists here? If you, by the way, anybody who wants to hear about narcissists, tap that heart a few times. This is one of those topics. It's like not always the greatest to talk about. Um, so if you, if, if people want to hear more about this, tap that heart a few times. So I know, and if not, then I'm going to make this quick. What I, what I want to say is, you know, we're talking about shame today and this is actually a great, uh, Actually, it's, it's a good thing to talk about while we're talking about shame because what a narcissist is, is a human being, okay? We shouldn't dehumanize them, first of all. They're a human being who is dealing with the same stuff we're all dealing with and it is happening for them to a very extreme degree, 
Okay, so you know, you all relate to what I've been talking about today about shame and guilt and how the ego develops and tries to overcompensate and withhold things and hide things. Okay, a narcissist is somebody who that is happening to to an extreme, extreme, extreme degree. So it is somebody who is their ego has become such a completely encompassing mechanism that there is almost nothing else to them, at least nothing else that is accessible. Now we all, we all come from spirit. We all come from love. We are all, we all have that God self inside. Okay. We all have that, you know, beautiful, whole, perfect part of us. And then our humanness is something that kind of gets built around that. And our ego is part of our humanness. And so the narcissist is somebody who has a very, very extreme ego. They still have that same whole God self inside of them that we all do, but their ego has completely dominated their humanness to a large degree. So they, they lack empathy. What, what a narcissist really lacks, by the way, I didn't see many hearts, so I'm going to wrap this up. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like this is a topic a lot of people want to hear about. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up shortly, but what a narcissist lacks is empathy. And they are so consumed by their own ego that they lack the ability to sensitively connect to what somebody else is going through. They are so consumed by their own ego and their own experience of the situation that they cannot sensitively connect to what another person is going through. And in most cases, it's very difficult to have a successful, loving, committed, mutually you know, contributing partnership with somebody like that. So I do believe narcissism, narcissism can be healed because I believe in miracles. And I believe that we can make quantum leaps in consciousness in an instant when we work on ourselves. And so when we work on ourselves, you know, you might do lots of work for maybe years and feel like you haven't gotten very far. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, in a day, you might wake up and feel like everything is different. And that's what I call a miracle. A miracle, and actually the first podcast episode last week was about miracles. I was talking about how we create miracles in, in our love life. And a miracle is that instant when things just click, you know, when all the work that you've been doing culminates, when all the insights that you've had click together in that perfect way that they need to for you to finally go, oh, got it. And then what happens is we experience a quantum leap in consciousness. So if somebody were to identify that they have narcissistic qualities and they were to say, I really want to have healthy relationships, I really want to work on this, and they were to get a therapist or somebody who could help them work on that, I believe that they could experience miracles and they could actually release that narcissism and they could be freed from it. I don't think it's a condition that people are stuck with because I think it's I think it's the ego that's no different for them than it is for all of us. It's just for whatever reason in their life, in their understanding, in their experience, in the way that it has all taken shape in them, it has taken shape in a very extreme form. In other people, it's taken shape in a less extreme form. But we all also have like pockets of narcissism. We all have those moments in relationship where we just can't see the other person's perspective, where we can only see how bad we're hurting. We can only see how, how much we're suffering, 
right? So I think we all have pockets of narcissism and a narcissist would be somebody who is unable to ever get out of that, I guess. And so they would need to maybe have a miracle. They would need to do a lot of work and have things click in a certain way where boom, and all of a sudden they experience this quantum leap and they go, oh, I see it now. Wow, I, I actually see that other people are having similar experiences to what I'm having and, and I can now connect with that. Um, okay, so that's I'm going to leave that with that. I don't know if I answered the question, but I think it was a good, healthy way to talk about narcissism and what it is. Um, tips for addressing shame held within as a means to be vulnerable with a potential new partner. What's the healthy balance without trauma bonding? Okay. Addressing shame held within as a means to be vulnerable with a potential new partner. So if you can identify things that you would typically withhold, and I'm not even talking about earth shattering things. So let's even talk about this on like a first date or first few dates, or first few conversations when you're just getting to know someone. If you can identify things you would normally withhold, like maybe you might feel inclined to make a joke, but you don't make that joke because you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to like it. Or maybe you would be inclined to share something about your past or a story or something like that, and then you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to share that because they might judge me. That's all shame. So if you can start to identify things that you would normally withhold and, and just get the courage to, like what you're really doing when you do that is you say, you know what, I'm going to tell this joke. Why? Because it's the most authentic thing for me to do here. And I'm not going to be less than myself to try to make this person like me. So I'm going to be myself, and if they don't like that, well, then I guess we're not really compatible. But I'm not going to get myself into a relationship where I have to pretend to be someone else for my whole life. Like, that's not how I want to live. I deserve more than that, right? So that's how you work with shame. And on every level, you're going to take it to a new level, okay? So in the first few dates, first few conversations, it might be about telling a joke, telling a story sharing a personal experience from your past and having the courage to do that even though it's vulnerable, even though you don't know how it's going to be received by the other person. Now, in the next level of relationship, it might be about talking about what you want in a relationship, right? So this is the first few dates. Now we're talking about first few months, okay? Now it's about what do I want in a relationship? You know, where do I see this going? Do I see that we could have this here? Do I see that we could have something here? Do I, you know, do I, will I share with this person that I, I think that you and I could have something and I would like to work on that? You know, can I be vulnerable enough to share that with them and see how they feel without trying to push something on them, right? I, I've done that before in relationships where I've met somebody and gotten involved with them and then tried to push what I wanted on them rather than really being open to what do they want and can we want the same things? Can we get on the same page? And if not, that's okay too. So 
in this in the next level of relationship it might be about being vulnerable about what you want where you see this going how you're feeling um in the next level of relationship i mean and, and i i really feel like it just keeps going you know i feel like five six years into our relationship my wife and i are working on things that has never come up before or you know maybe maybe they've come up before but they haven't come up in the same way they haven't come up in the same um they come up differently, right? They, they come up in, in, in a deeper level. And now there's a, a deeper level of vulnerability where, where we need to share experiences that we're having internally that we've never shared before, that we've just been kind of dealing with on our own, right? So, and, and then that's, and why have we been dealing with them on our own? Why have we not felt that we could share them with each other? Shame. <laughs> again, right? Like, and, and again, this, I'm not saying that, Three years ago, we should have been doing this. I'm saying our relationship has been the thing that is taking us deeper, having us realize things that are there that we didn't even know were there three years ago. And, and this is why I say in an intimate relationship, there's no avoiding this. Because the more you go into it with someone, the deeper it's going to get. And you're either going to be willing to go deeper with them, or you're going to draw a line and you're going to close off in the relationship. And then what happens is the relationship either falls apart or you just start to have like kind of a, a more transactional relationship where we're like friends, you know, and we, you know, we do things together and, and we go places together, but there's not a lot of depth. We're not really in tune on a, on a, on a you know, um, intimate level. We're just, we're just kind of managing a life together. It's like we run a business together and, you know, maybe we have sex couple times a month, you know, and, and like, and then our relationship becomes very transactional. So you're either going to go to those deeper places together, or you're going to stop and settle into like a transactional place, or you're just going to break up. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Now you mentioned, how do we do this without going into a trauma bond? Well, I'm not going to talk too much about a trauma bond right now, but I'll say that Going into a trauma bond doesn't really isn't really related to what I'm talking about with shame, right? So, I mean, let me say a trauma bond would be a behavior that might happen out of shame, but to really talk about that, I'd have to talk about what a trauma bond is, why it happens, how to prevent it. Like it would be a whole other conversation. So I don't really want to go there right now. But what I want to say is just look for at the level of relationship that you are at right now at the level of relationship that you are at right now, what are the appropriate risks for you to take in vulnerability in, in working on shame? And just start there and, and do that at every stage of the game. That's what I would say. Um, all right, uh, I see some people buying badges. Susan, Susan Loreo, Lorero. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but thank you. Thank you for buying the badge. Um, I'm just going to scroll back here, see what I've missed while I've been reading the questions. Uh, all right, I don't know if I've missed too many more badges, but if anybody would like to buy a badge and um, 
Oh, Zen Rebel. Okay, I saw that one. Yep. Okay, we're back to where I was. Um, if anybody would like to buy a badge, just know that I appreciate that very much from my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being here, for getting value from this discussion, and for wanting to give something back. That means so much to me. Thank you. Um, okay, JoJo's question. How do you let go of a 14-year marriage when my ego is holding on and trying to control the outcome instead of putting my all into moving on? Okay, this is this is a great question, Jojo, because I I want to say that like even you asking this question is putting your all into moving on. Now maybe maybe there's more you could do. I don't know. Like I I would like my next question would be like what kind of work are you doing? Do you have a coach or a therapist you're working with? Are you involved in some kind of program? Is there are you are you putting yourself in some kind of environment to actively work through what's happening for you? So, you know, I would I would say that that would be a place to look if if maybe there's more you could do, I don't know. But you asking this question right now shows me that you're aware of what's happening with your ego and you are actively working to, toward a new experience. And a lot of times, and this is, this comes from our ego, by the way, it comes from our ego is this, it should be done already, or I should be good already. I should be over this already. That comes from the ego rather than compassionately being with yourself and loving yourself through a challenging life experience. Okay. So your ego is the one saying, Oh my God, I can't let this go. And your ego is also the one saying you should have let this go already. And what's wrong with you? Why are you still holding on to this? Your ego is doing both. Remember I said earlier, the ego is insane. It's not rational. It's not based in a rational thought system. It is an out-of-control survival mechanism that's trying to avoid shame. Trying to avoid the feelings of shame. And so, like, what, you, what you're doing, Jojo, and, and what maybe, you know, you need to continue to do and do more of, perhaps, is recognizing and observing what's happening in your ego and compassionately loving yourself through it. Right? Like we could say you are under an ego attack right now and you can't just stop it, okay? You have a lifetime of momentum. You have 14 years of momentum in this marriage. That, that's a lot of energy that is moving, has been moving for years and now all of a sudden it's been abruptly cut off, okay? You can't just, you know, it's like when, you, when you're going 70 miles an hour in your car and then you slam on the brakes, you don't just stop with the car, you fly forward. Why? Because you had momentum going and when the car stopped, you kept moving. Well, it's the same thing. You have a lot of momentum going right now. And, and so when, it, when the relationship stops, the momentum doesn't stop. And so you're, you're having an ego attack right now. Like your ego is literally attacking you. There's all this energy and this fear and this frustration and this doubt and this insecurity and shame and should I have done it differently? Should I have done more? What's wrong with me? Why wasn't I enough? And all, like, all of this. And you're, 
Your job is not to make it stop. Your job is to compassionately love yourself through it. Okay, the momentum will burn out, right? You can't, if you get on the treadmill and you run it, you know, 12 miles an hour, like you'll burn out, okay? It's not gonna go forever, but you need to exhaust the momentum that you have first. And right now, you gotta love yourself through it. You're grieving, you're grieving a loss. You've gotta love yourself through this, right? Stop judging yourself for not being over it and start loving yourself in the middle of an immensely powerful life challenge. And remember what I said about miracles earlier. So there's gonna come a point where all the work that you've been doing in this process is gonna click and you will feel the release. You will feel the freedom. So that's, that's what I would say. That's what I would say and sending you lots of love. Thank you, Kulu Lay Love, um, the Conscious Love Show. She's going to find it and leave a review. I appreciate you. You rock. Um, to all of you who are willing to go find the Conscious Love Show on any major podcast platform and leave a review, just know that uh, you are so, so appreciated. Um, and I see a bunch of you buying badges as well. Um, let me just shout some of you out. Poor Vita bought a badge. Candice, Candence bought a badge. Geologist bought a badge. Susan Lareo bought a badge. Susan Lareo bought another badge. You are awesome. You're all awesome. Thank you so much. Um, someone wants me to do a podcast about narcissists. I will keep that in mind. Definitely keep that in mind. Okay, so this is a great question um, from Veronica. She says, how to not expect my boyfriend to behave the same way as I do? Talking about positive behavior. It kind of feels unfair, trying to work on that empathetically. This is an important one, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I feel like a lot of us are really working on getting into a relationship, but then once you get into a relationship, these are the kinds of things you have to deal with. And it's... It, like it is like the struggle is real the um you know the challenge of being able to meet each other's needs and also give each other space without like you know pushing our needs on each other in an unhealthy way like it like this is a balance and you've got to learn how to take care of yourself and also take care of your partner and you've got to learn what your partner needs and how to relate with them in a helpful way and also give them grace when they don't always do that perfectly with you all the time. And, you know, there, there's a lot of complexity here. It is. And it's like, and, and again, like the, the simplicity is in love. The simplicity is in, I love my partner. They love me. I do the best I can to love them. They do the best they can to love me. And when we're not focusing on what we're not getting or afraid that we're going to miss out or all of that, when we're not putting our attention on that, then love flows very easily in the relationship. Um, now, I know what people always say to that is, well, what about when you're not getting your needs met? You can't just stay in a relationship where you're not getting your needs met. And I would say that, you know, you want to judge your partner on their willingness to meet you halfway. Not their not their ability to get it perfect all the time, right? So when, when things come up, does your partner meet you in the middle? Do you work on them? 
Do you find solutions? Do you practice things together? And, and even like not necessarily do you do that perfectly, but do you do it? You know, like we got to give ourselves so much grace in relationships. When you go to work, you're there for eight hours, sometimes less, sometimes more, right? But you're there for a fixed period of time. And you are judged based on what you do in that period of time. In a relationship, it's 24-7. It's all the time. Like you are always sharing your life with that person. You know, when, when you're not together, you're wanting them to text you. And like, you know, it's, it's all the time. And we've got to give ourselves and our partners so much grace for the fact that like this person is sharing our lives with us, sharing their lives with us all the time. And, and like they're going through all the same stuff that we're going through in their own way. It might be different for them. Right. But they're having the same desires for attention, the same desires for love, the same needs for affection, the same needs for space, the same needs to work things out, the same needs to be left alone for 15 minutes, the same needs to get their health in and their exercise and their diet and their, you know, like all the all the stuff and and the same needs to spend time with friends and like uh, like they're dealing with all the same stuff. They want all the same things. And sometimes it's really complex to figure out how you both can take care of each other and get everything that you want. And, and we've got to give ourselves and our partners so much grace and be okay with it not being perfect all the time and judge our, judge our relationship and our, and our partners not on if they're doing everything perfect all the time, but on their willingness to meet us in the middle and work on things together. And, you know, when, when things aren't perfect, can we talk about it? Can we come up with solutions? Can we work on these solutions together? Do we trust our partner to be there for us when we need them? You know, like that's, that's really how we've got to judge it. And I get really afraid when people start making all their lists of, I want someone who does this and I want someone who does that and I want someone who does this and I want someone who does that. And because I'm like, you're going to go into a relationship and you're going to drop all this on someone and they're going to be like, it's too much because it's not their job to, to meet every little thing that you want. It's their job to love you and to be there for you in a committed way. And sometimes you're going to need to take care of yourself and sometimes you'll take care of each other. And sometimes you'll need to have difficult conversations about how to work all of this out, right? But it's not, it's not what you do to go into a relationship and say, here are my expectations and you need to fulfill them. That's not how it works. You know, it's like, this is the kind of relationship I want to create. How do you feel about that? Right? And, and you know, find the commonalities, find the things you can work on together. In the areas where there are not commonalities, where it doesn't just effortlessly flow together, that's when you go, okay, you know, can I be okay? Like, I'll share one example. This is kind of funny, right? So my wife, uh, so I always had an expectation in a relationship that we would snuggle in the morning when we wake up and like start our day, like good morning and kisses and snuggles and all that. My wife always had an expectation that we would do it in the evenings. And turns out 
that I like to like stay up and have some quiet time in the evenings after she goes to sleep or after she's in bed. And she likes to get up before I'm up and like go to the gym and get her day started and stuff. So turns out that doesn't really, neither of those expectations are easily fulfilled in our relationship, right? Now we have, we have a choice. We can try to force something the other doesn't want on the other. We can break up because we don't snuggle in the mornings and at night. Or we can talk about it, compromise, and have a creative solution here where we both get everything we want. So what we've come up with is most of the time she gets up in the morning, I stay up at night. We don't make a big deal about it. We don't get mad at each other for not snuggling. And sometimes we will choose to maybe on a weekend or something snuggle in the morning. Or sometimes, you know, I might, before I take my quiet time in the evening, you know, if she's getting ready for bed, I'll go in and snuggle with her for 15, 20 minutes before bed and then go take my quiet time, right? So we have found creative ways to sometimes get what we want and also be able to live the life that we want to live and not put these pressures and expectations on each other. And, and I'll tell you, like, the, that wasn't necessarily an easy thing for us to figure out. Like, there were some difficult conversations that were had around all of those things, around snuggling in the morning, snuggling at night. And, and you know, it might seem like a really mundane example or it might seem like what's the big deal. Or, but then what happens is when you get into a relationship with someone, you're looking at, like, this is something I want. And do I have to like live my whole life without this? And that doesn't seem fair. And, and so then there's an inclination to want to put this on the other person that they have to fulfill that. And that's not healthy either. So the, the healthy thing to do is to be a team and to compromise. Um, all right. So I, I think I've spoken about that. That was a great question. And, you know, I, I wanted to share about that because these dynamics and relationships are complex and they are challenging sometimes. And you've got you've to you've gotta rise to another level, you know, in, in, a, in a relationship. You really do. You've got like, to, like, not sweat the small stuff anymore. And that's, I'll just say for me, like, it's been a huge point of growth, huge challenge in a lot of ways, and still working on it in, in many ways. But it's, you know, it's, it's how you can have a happy life together. So great question. Thank you for sending in that question. All the questions were great. Um, I'm going to close it out now. Uh, thank you for being with me today. So just um, for those of you who jumped on a little bit later, I do this every Tuesday. I'm here at 12 p.m. Eastern time. If it's your first time with me, thank you to the first timers for joining me. Um, if you're somebody who joins me regularly, thank you for that as well. This is also being recorded live as the Conscious Love Show. So this is episode two today. Um, I don't know if you could see it. I have my, I'll, I'll turn the camera. I have my little microphone right here. <laughs> um, so I'm recording live uh, the Conscious Love Show right now. It's a podcast I just launched last week. And it's going to be available on all major podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, um, and all of them, Google, et cetera. It's gonna be available on all of them. So I'm gonna request uh, those of you who are with me now, if you could go find the podcast on Spotify, Apple, um, 
etc. and leave a review for me. I would really, really appreciate that. Um, let me see if there's anything else I want to say. I, I don't think there's much else I want to say today, but lots of love to all of you. If you could find my podcast, The Conscious Love Show, and leave a review for me, I would appreciate that so, 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 so much. Um, other than that, thanks for being on here with me today. Thanks for sending in your questions. I'm here every Tuesday live on Instagram at 12 p.m. And uh, I'll see you back here next week. All right, everybody. Many blessings. Lots of love. See you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.